You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. What's amazing is I just sit down and we learn of something we just talked about yesterday. Vince Carter is coming back for his 22nd season in the yeah. NBA. Yes, <laughs> VC. There is no Arya to his Night King. No, he is unkillable. He is. There is no, I don't know what the, I asked this yesterday. I don't know what type of stone kills the Night King. What is it again? Valyrian. It's not stone. It's man. steel. Come on. Is it steel? Come is that on. what it is? It's Valyrian steel. Steel. That's right. There is not that to kill stone. the Night King. <laughs> Am I the nerd for You're not knowing the Game of idiot. Thrones <laughs> reference? I'm the nerd. Vince Carter is back in the NBA. House Carter. You cannot kill him. It's amazing. And I'm happy to see Vince Carter playing with the Atlanta Hawks once again. We appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We got some breaking news today from the Charlotte Hornets. So some breaking news coming out that John Fokey is going to join the Hornets and serve as the executive producer, or excuse me, he's going to be the play-by-play voice for radio. And he was the executive producer and the studio host for the Minnesota Timberwolves radio network. And of course, he was the radio play-by-play announcer for the WNBA's team, Minnesota Lynx. So he's going to be the new guy that fills in for what was Steve Martin, and then it was Chris Kroger, and now here is John Fokey taking over for the 2019-2020 NBA season. So this has been a weird process, Doug. <laughs> Steve Martin leaves the team. Mm-hmm. Chris Kroger gets the job. We hometown, all knew, hometown guy. We all knew he was going to get the job. He was the sideline reporter for them for a couple of years. He was working with the company. He was working with FNZ where they broadcast the Hornets home games. Did the and, coaches uh, every show on FNZ. So we knew it was going to be Chris Kroger the entire time. And he eventually gets that job, embraces it openly genuinely is in love with his new job and shares that with everybody shares that with all of the hornets fans shares that with everybody that feels any type of nostalgia when looking at the purple and teal and chris kroger almost makes it to the end of the regular season except it was before the lakers game if i'm not mistaken I think it was before the Lakers. It was game. right before a road trip. Yeah, and that was before they went out west, and Kroger was relieved of his duties. At least the Charlotte Hornets were going to move on and get a new play-by-play voice. Steve Martin would come in, fill in the last, I think it was like eight, nine games or so of the regular season. And so just a couple of weeks after the season officially ends for the Charlotte Hornets, they got their new guy in John Fokey, and it's been a weird process, but here we are. We got our new guy, Doug. Yeah, a lot of questions, not a lot of answers when it comes to that situation with Kroger. And, you know, we're not the only ones that have asked those questions. I'm looking at the Twitter account for the Charlotte Hornets when they made this announcement, this addition of John Fokey to the team. And you go down, it's getting ratioed right now, like 61 replies <laughs> to 37 retweets. And it's just a lot of people just asking questions. Well, it's split between what happened to Kroger. And guys from that know Fokey from Minnesota saying this, you guys got a great pickup. Uh, Is so, that a true ratio, by the way? Is it still ratioed if it's not necessarily bashing, or do you have to have bashing in the replies to get ratio? I think the idea of the ratio, the idea of the Twitter ratio, is that you post something that causes a lot of replies, and those replies are normally negative. Right. 
But Folky seems here. just okay, going to you. Folky here. By the way, it's F O C K E. A lot of people confused initially about how to pronounce it. Cool boy, that. right? It's like it's like Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> he's running for uh, president uh, for the Democrats right now, and uh, no one knows how to say his name. So he's had to like his first thing in his campaign was teaching everyone how to say his name, Buttigieg. This guy's gonna have to do that initially, John Folky. Well, the first line in the Hornets.com write-up. Mm-hmm. It has the pronunciation phonetically for you in the first line because you read it and it sounds a lot like a bad word. You just take the R off of an infamous, maybe not infamous, but maybe famous. I don't know how you want to describe it. The last name and meet the parents where it's Gaylord. Fokker, <laughs> right. I guess I felt weird saying that. I'm sure I can say it. But anyways, yes. It's a podcast, man. To see you come from yeah, the radio station, uh, you got to I got nervous. Unbuckle your belt. I heard you say it. I was like, oh, God. Under your tie. I mean, don't unbuckle the, your belt. Well, I'll, I'll do that later. But you have a bad word. if It's really close to it if you pronounce it. So I'm glad that we pronounce it Fokey. But here he is coming from the Minnesota Lynx organization, also just Minnesota in general, working with the Timberwolves radio network and serving as the play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Lynx. And so it's a guy that is experienced, and we figured they would probably go outside, right? That that would make a lot more sense if they went outside, even of the city of Charlotte, to go get somebody. Well, it's what they did. It's what they did with the TV team. I mean, they went Mm -hmm. and got Eric Collins, who had made bones all around the States, but uh, specifically in the Midwest and Chicago. And that's been a big boon for them so they went back to the midwest got this uh, john Fokey guy from minnesota he's the he was named the 2017 minnesota sportscaster of the year by the national sports media association it's a lot of that's a lot of words so i assume that's a very good award <laughs> and he started a lot of things for the timberwolves organization you know uh, he did a team podcast was part of the timberwolves radio network uh, was doing a lot of uh, internal team uh, tv stuff uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he sort of picks up where Kroger left off because Kroger was doing a lot outside of the radio broadcast for the Hornets. A lot of things that uh, that Steve Martin wasn't necessarily – Martin was focusing really on that yeah. radio broadcast. Uh, Kroger seemed to expand that. I wonder if Fokey's going to pick all of that up and keep it going. He is. Fokey will have an active role across the Hornets digital and social media platforms, and he will apparently to this article – He said he will, quote, contribute in various ways to team content, projects, and initiatives via Hornets.com. Hashtag content. The team's broadcast and in-arena activation. You want to hear some Folky? I got some Folky. Play me Folky. Seattle wins the tip back. Super first basket for Minnesota. Augustus has it on the left wing. Carries it to the baseline. Dumps it down low. Sylvia fouls with deep post position. Able to score on the left side. Deep post position. So there's Folky doing a little play-by-play. Seattle Storm. Versus the Minnesota Lynx. There. Yeah, heard some Sue Bird in there. Mm-hmm. Is Sue Bird the Vince Carter of the WNBA? Because I can a remember long time. I can remember Sue Bird when I was in grade school, making sure that I would go to the book fair because it was lit when the book fair came to town. I would. To go, be fair, you are what nineteen years old. I am nineteen. <laughs> Vince Carter is older than actually how he's been playing in the league longer than I've actually been alive on Earth, and Sue Bird has as well. So there's John Fokey calling a game of the legend, Sue Bird. We appreciate you joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We'll get to our player evals. we got Cody Zeller up today and, of course, talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs and a couple of the games that happened last night. It's LOH on the Locked on Podcast Network. 
This is Locked on Hornets. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think Nod is just going to jump You are over. the gazelle limping through the African <laughs> safari. I'm in the mud. I'm in, I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas or by Nod as <laughs> By Nas. By Nas. <laughs> He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Got Cody Zeller up next here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, evaluating what he gave us this season. A lot of the same from Cody Zeller. And I'm a fan of Cody Zeller. I think he's important to the basketball team. Why are you a fan of Cody Zeller? Oh, I've got a plenty. I've got a whole list of reasons why I'm a fan of Cody Zeller. There's one. <laughs> Let bi- me count the ways. <laughs> There's a big one, though, that would cause you to not be a fan of Cody Zeller, and that's the injuries. So you look at what he did this year. He missed 33 games this season. This comes a year after he missed 49 the year before, and three years ago, Cody Zeller missed 20. So it's 20 games or more that Cody Zeller has missed in his young NBA career. You know, Six seasons is what he's completed now, and how many games he's actually played has probably been just completed five or four and a half seasons. He's missed a lot, but I do think that he is important when he's in there, and I don't think there's any doubt they're a better basketball team when Cody Zeller is playing the center position. And I think that was even true when Dwight Howard was here with the Charlotte Hornets, and we thought that was going to be an upgrade. It was worth the experiment. We can, we've talked plenty of Dwight Howard before. But Cody Zeller is somebody that has proven to be the best center on this team. So you look at what happened really the first half of this year. You know, the 35 of the first 36 games Cody Zeller did appear in, he gave you 9.3 points per game, shot about 56% from the field, Gave you 6.2 rebounds per game. Also, 2.1 assists per game. He also had a team-leading 112 offensive rating and went 5 of 16 from distance. We thought maybe he would open up a little bit more beyond the arc. Maybe shoot a little bit more. And he did. Not much, though. Not enough to really count all that much. But he did take a few more three-point attempts out there. And then he gets injured. So he was battling... What was a broken hand, a broken right hand for a long time and lingering left knee soreness that ultimately ended the season early. And they decided not to bring him back. I wonder if they could have brought him back if they really wanted to because they just stuck with the young players and it seemed to be working for them. But Cody Zeller was the one guy where there's no way you mess with that lineup except for the five position where Bismack Biombo was playing at the end, right? When they started to go to the young guys, there's no way you bring out Devontae Graham of the rotation. You don't bring Dwayne Bacon out of the rotation. You don't do any of that with the young guys. You brought back Bismack Biombo out of the rotation as much as he was playing to put Cody Zeller in if he was healthy. And they didn't do so. And so you saw him be effective. There's some other stats we'll get to in a second, Doug, but it was somebody that was injured again, and you just can't rely on this guy to play a full 82-game season. He's he plays no he plays well with others he complements the game of of others on this team. He's some would say he does some things that really don't show up in the box score that mean a lot to this basketball. A team. lot of people say that, and all I'm saying is just show up in the box score. I mean, when Jimmy Butler shows up in the box score, the Philadelphia 76ers win games against the Toronto Raptors. That's all I'm saying. And, and broke the mic. You're trying to break my mic again. I don't think I did anything oh wrong that time. I think First, it just sounded yeah, bad. Before the show, you're moving stuff around. You're breaking my table. Now all of a sudden, you're breaking my mic. I don't know what. This is my day. Kind to of pin up anger you have up the going studio. on. Um, back to Zeller though. 
you know, he's he is starter level talent. I think at the at a position, not just not a lot of starter level fives. And I think he's when he's at his best, he is a starter level five. And you know, this team needs all the talent that they can get, and so they sorely miss Cody Zeller when he's off the floor. But but it's because they don't have a lot of talent to begin with, and so for me, Cody Zeller is really representative of the strategy that the Hornets took several years ago and how that strategy has not exactly panned out. Giving him the long-term contract, the bad luck of his injuries, and the lack of talent that this team really has and lack of depth that that they haven't been able to sustain a, the loss of Cody Zeller, I think, says a lot about this previous era of Hornets basketball. The Hornets held an offensive rating of 110.9 points scored per 100 possess- possessions with Zeller on the floor this season. Yeah. And that number dropped to 108.4 without him. Yeah, he, I mean, he runs the floor well. He's, he sets uh, uh, great screens. He, he, moves, uh, he moves really well. So, I mean, he really helps that offense flow and opens up things for Kemba Walker. And not only the offense, defensively, his presence resulted in a rating of 109.6 points allowed per 100 possessions, and which then rose to 111 possessions in his absence, 111 points per possession. I can't even get that right. 111 in his absence. So you see the defensive rating. It goes up in a bad way. Cody Zeller, somebody that helped them offensively and defensively. And that's rare on this team, right? A player that is a benefit both on the offensive side of the floor and the defensive side of the floor. Say what you want about Cody Zeller. He is an essential piece on this team. And, you know, they were they were sorely missing him. But at some point, you got to say, man, I mean, when is this guy going to be able to put you know, 70, 75, 80 games on, on a season. That's why I think we've seen some big guys linked to the Charlotte Hornets in the draft, and it's because you can't rely on Cody, even though he is a good basketball player. Time like to you move said, on. Starter level five. How much value does Cody Zeller have? Because I think they're, if you're looking at a good basketball player to be had for the Hornets, you know, it's got, <laughs> you're doing some weird faces. Cody Zeller probably has got some value out there. I don't. I mean, I, I maybe not that much to you. If you can't stay on the floor, what does it matter? I mean, he showed no evidence of being able to contribute in that in that way. How, how many Cody Zellers are there out there? It legitimate question. Because I I don't think that there's a ton. Well, the position is transforming, right? So I mean, he's becoming Cody Zellers are becoming less valuable. And if well, I mean, if we go back to Cody Zeller in the combine, he tested as one of the most athletic centers that we'd ever seen before. Crazy athletic. Saw him do a very good job at Indiana. The Zellers run the floor. We can remember watching Tyler Zeller at North Carolina running the floor. The Zeller boys learned that up in Washington. Good old down home Washington, Indiana. And so Cody Zeller, somebody that is crazy athletic. And I think, of course, he's not a Joel Embiid. He's not even a Rudy Gobert who's not even all that crazy athletic like Cody Zeller. He's not one of those type of centers, but I Brooke don't Lopez, think that there's a ton. But Brooke Lopez is messing this up for everyone. Well, if we, looking, we, can, we have the outliers. Well, yeah, you're looking at a guy like Brooke Lopez and going, wait a minute, can't all of these centers do that? I mean, he completely transformed his game overnight. We have our outliers, and Brooke Lopez is an outlier. But I just don't think that there's that many Cody Zellers, in my opinion. I don't think there's too many guys like that that can be, you know, for instance, I, I think you put him on a really good basketball team. We talk about guys that are put in good situations, getting the most out of them when, and, and having their skill set show in a way that isn't in mediocre teams. Cody Zeller, I think, is one of those guys. Like you put him on the Golden State Warriors, right? I think he'd be perfect for them. 
you know, running the floor, rebounding, playing defense, catching lobs. I think Cody Zeller would be great at that. I just don't think that there's a whole lot of those guys. I I value him, I think, a lot more than most people do. <laughs> Everybody's talking about the draft right <laughs> now. This tweet, very interesting from Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. He says, spoke with Jay Billis about a number of college basketball and NBA draft topics. He was saying 2019 draft clearly not as deep as 2018. For instance, Jay said Devontae Graham would be safely in the first round of this upcoming draft class. Woo! Love it. Mock draft talk. I feel bad for Cody, and he gave us a quote at the end of the season during the exit day interviews. He said there's a little bit of wear and tear in his knee, but I've played basketball for 26 years. I think if you got a picture of every guy on our team and every guy in the NBA, there'd be wear and tear. The biggest issue is just the swelling, so hopefully we can address that. Hopefully we'll be past it and not have to worry about it again. See, I read that quote, and I don't buy into just everybody having played basketball for 26 years having problems with their knees. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that feeling that Cody Zeller just he, – he made me feel better about that. I don't have that feeling at all. I feel that this does not look good for a 26-year-old. You know what feeling I have? What's that? Sorry. Who's that? That's uh, CBS. Who's telling me how to feel? That's CBSSports.com because I've got a mock draft feeling. CBSSports.com, new mock draft out just yesterday. This one's hot and fresh. Are you refreshed out of the oven? Are you ready for this? Number 12 to the Charlotte Hornets. Put it on the windowsill. PJ Washington, sophomore out of Kentucky, power forward, just like you were saying. A lot of bigs being mocked to the Charlotte Hornets right now. 6'8. Love it. All right. Are you in your car a lot? Driving to work, driving the kids around. If you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Locked On Hornets and make drive time LOH time. We've got some NBA playoff talk next after the break. This is Locked On Hornets. Now that we have this question, I got. I, I feel like I need to ask this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all sweet potato pie folks or you pumpkin pie folks? Pumpkin pie folks. Sweet potato folk. Pumpkin pie. Sweet yeah. potato. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So that mock draft had Kobe White number four overall. Number four, yeah, this uh, CBSSports.com mock draft coming from Kyle Boone. Number four had him overall. Taken, had him taking P.J. Washington. He's rocketing up these mock draft boards. I'll say this, too. P.J. Washington, it's like the ninth or tenth different player <laughs> that I've seen mocked to the Charlotte Hornets at 12. That either means that no one really has any idea. That could be it. <laughs> that just maybe nobody has any idea. I was going to say no one has any idea who the Hornets will take mm. or that, you know, there is a soft underbelly of the first round. Nobody really knows how these players are going to stack up after eight, nine or 10. Cause I think everybody's pretty sure how things are going to go one through, I'd say one through eight. Now you don't know what order they're going to be in, but I feel like Cam Reddish is like the bottom of probably the second tier of this who's NBA the next draft. guy who's the ninth guy at the top of the second tier so who's the who you what do you mean like number nine yeah who's I, the who's the guy that's outside looking in oh uh, yes 
like Brandon Clark, Culver, Nas Little. I'd say Nas Little is definitely outside. He's a guy that I've not seen with even you on that. Touching. Maybe Culver I put in there. I like Culver. He was fun. But you're probably right. Grant Williams from Tennessee. I got to see a lot of him because producer Katie went to Tennessee, so I was forced to watch a lot of UT basketball this season. And Grant Williams, a guy I really respect. He's not going to be a star in the league. He's going So he's, we don't take him at 12. He's then. definitely going to be a role player, but a really really good role player. And right now, CBS Sports has him mocked at 13, so he's climbing up the boards. Bull Bull falling, Romeo Lankford falling, Nikhil Alexander-Walker falling. Mm, I, I like all those guys. That Kevin Porter Jr. falling. Mm. Is it just to Kevin Boone that these guys are falling? Kyle Boone. Kyle Boone. Respect, respect the mock drafters. Let's talk playoffs. You mentioned Jimmy Butler. He did go off last night, particularly in the fourth quarter. Dude was amazing in the fourth quarter. Hemi! 9 of 22, 4 of 10 from deep, 30 points overall. And this was a game where they desperately needed him. How about the other three, the other four starters, if you want to include J.J. Redick in this? J.J. Redick had four field goals, but the other three in Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, considered the other three that I think you would consider stars outside of Jimmy Butler, neither of them had more than three field goals. Just three field goals for Tobias Harris, two for Joel Embiid, three for Ben Simmons, but one of Joel Embiid's field goals came at the biggest time, at the most important time of the entire game. Had a nice drive, was able to hit that, and I think that put him up three points, if I'm not mistaken. Toronto comes down the floor and turns it over where Kyle Lowry, does he try to dribble through the defender? Does he try to nutmeg his defender? It was a weird turnover. Well, Kyle listen, Lowry that had. fourth quarter was very bad for Kyle Lowry. I, I know you. We were arguing about this before we the even show. Arguing, it was. Well, you were saying <laughs> he did well, have a couple of big threes. Okay, well, he They're had huge. a couple of doofy turnovers too that really cost so the Toronto. What Raptors. outweighs the skit? What puts more? Listen, weight on the anybody scale? can hit a three in this league nowadays, but you know you're, you Zoe. expect your point guard not to you know do the Nick Batum esque turnover in the fourth quarter of an important playoff game and Jimmy Butler you think he's like a diva now you think he's demanding of his teammates now I mean 30 points when that team couldn't do anything it, look get out of the way Joel Embiid get out of the way Ben Simmons just give Hemi the ball and let him work you saw what Toronto did with their big three. Kyle Lowry, it, he was 7 of 17, hit a couple threes, like I said. Kawhi Leonard was amazing. I think he's playing the best of any player in the Eastern Conference, even Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving has been great, but Kawhi Leonard defensively has been phenomenal as well. And then even Siakam, he's legit. He's proving that it's the playoffs, they're not too big of a moment for him. So those three guys, they showed up. It's just Gasol gives you one bucket. Danny Green gives you one bucket. And that bench for Toronto that has been praised for being one of the best second units in all of the NBA, they gave you two buckets combined. Ibaka gives you one. Powell gives you one. So people outside of Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, and Pascal Siakam gave you one bucket. I just wish one of these Eastern Conference teams would decide that they want to win the East. I mean, give me a break. Like I just wish one of these teams would just strangle their opponent to death and say, I want to win the Eastern Conference. Well, Boston's kind of doing that, right? They got won five games. They're undefeated in the postseason right now. No, we'll see. <laughs> got to do it three. Got to do it three more we'll times. See. I want to sweep. Excellent analysis. I That's sweep. the sports radio coming out strong. Yeah. In you. Hey, we'll big, see. Hey, big anniversary today, by the way. Whose anniversary is it? This is the uh, this day thirty-one years ago. 
was the Heat Knicks brawl in the playoffs. Okay, we'll use that as a segue. Okay, fine. Uh, well, this, I'm going to give you the Hornets connection. Okay. The brawl started between Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson. Johnson playing for the Knicks, Mourning playing for the Heat. This was a big deal. This was sort of the the malice at the palace before the malice at the palace. If you listen to South Beach Sessions with Dan Lebitard, he does talk to Stan Van Gundy about some of the brawls, and specifically this one, but just some of the beef that the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks had against each other. And the Van Gundys still don't talk about this. This is taboo. Well, because Jeff Van Gundy was basically holding on to Alonzo Mourning's leg it, it, and it's had more, to be had to be pulled away. It's more embarrassing than I even remember because I haven't seen this clip in a while. They show it all the time, but I hadn't seen. I think the entirety of it. Where one, I'll tell you what I forgot most. I forgot that his hair was like that. Where he had Van Gundy, he had he had not come home yet, as Bomani would like to say. He had, right, he had not come home, and so his comb over is flailing all over the place. And also, comb he, all over. He hangs on to Alonzo's leg for a long time. Well, he had to be. That's the thing people don't understand. It's not that he was just hanging on because he was trying to survive. That he had to be pulled away. He was mad. He was upset. And people say that he was doing that for his own benefit. In order to stay alive and to survive. He didn't look like he was surviving. I agree. I have pushback against that. He also is very angry once he finally does get pulled away. I I don't feel that Jeff Van Gundy was doing that just to be safe. I feel like Jeff Van Gundy was doing that because that was his way of somewhat fighting even. Because, again, it's on Alonzo. And by the way, at the time that Van Gundy goes up to Alonzo... He's being choked by Charles Oakley. It's not even as if like Alonzo is like beating it was a, weird a, a New York Knicks player to death or something. Those are a lot of strong dudes in the NBA. If you were to put together an all-back alley team, I imagine that you would do worse if you had two teams to choose from than the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat at that time. I'm looking at this on ESPN.com, and they do call it a brawl, but it really doesn't become a brawl until Charles Oakley gets involved. Uh, because what do you need contact because to well, me because johnson are, and morning throw a couple of phantom punches that never so find, it needs to land it yeah, needs to land. they really didn't land johnson in his like fourth or fifth punch finally hits alonzo in the shoulder and so because it doesn't land it's not a brawl to you is that what constitutes it no i'm just asking yeah i mean i feel like it, well, it becomes a brawl when when basically charles oakley goes undertaker on alonzo <laughs> morning I mean, then it becomes a brawl, but this isn't really, I mean, this is no malice at the palace. No, it's not. It Nothing is malice at the palace. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But see, I, I, there was probably more devastating contact within the game while the clock was running than there was anything that happened afterwards. And interesting to note that uh, Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning, the beef that they had, and SB Nation, by the way, did a great sort of beef history on these two guys, so go check that out. But uh, these two had beef when they were members of the Charlotte Hornets because Larry Johnson, came, who came in after Alonzo Mourning, got the big payday from the Charlotte Hornets. And Alonzo was like, wait a minute, is there going to be enough money for me? And, and according to reports from the time, like the practices between these two guys got intense. Who breaks that up? You don't have anybody to break that up. Those two guys are extremely strong. And they run, the, they run everything. And so that's really tough to have a couple of guys try to break that up. It takes Charles Oakley. And who did Charlotte have? 
It, I mean, Mace wasn't on that team then, so you couldn't have him. No, Mace was on a, the team as a result of the Johnson trip. He, he would have been. He would have been able to help help out, but because there's a lot of people, I think, listening to this show. Was on that team. He was in this, by the way, another Hornets connection. Yeah, weird. This is this was a full on Hornets brawl. It was. Um, I think people look back on that era and say, "What if the Hornets were able to keep Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning on this team? Could they have contended?" You know, for a title, could they have snuck up on the Chicago Bulls and beaten them? Well, number one, no. Rick said Rick says they talk about it. Not not Michael, not Michael, but they talk about what could have been. Right. We had Curry on the show a few years ago and he he mentioned the same thing. But I I don't think they would have. I think they might have killed each other. Like the the rivalry, <laughs> you know, would have grown. Muggsy's not breaking it up, we know that. Muggsy would have been Jeff Van Gundy. He would have been. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, the Himalaya Podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Emmy.